You know you're a woman in surveying when for you, PMS stands for Property Measurement Standards. You're not alone, my friend. Welcome to the Surveyor Hub with me, Marion Ellis. I'm excited to bring you this very first Women in Surveying podcast. I know many of you champion increasing the diversity of people who work in surveying as I do. It's a complex subject with lots of legacy issues, but do you know what? We just have to start making a difference. And for me, one small thing I can do today is to get more women's voices heard, like literally on this podcast. Now, getting women to be on a panel of any kind is hard. They often drop out for lots of reasons, from practical childcare to imposter syndromes, Most panels are on really inconvenient times. So I wanted to make it more accessible for women to step up as much as be heard. And so I pulled this podcast together. I created an environment where women wanted to speak and share their insights. And by having a few women together, we were able to support each other. Normal women having a conversation about our work and what we do. No awards, no scary panel or audiences, authentic as it comes. And these women were pretty nervous and I absolutely loved it. We need more humanity in what we do. We need to normalise the conversation if we really want change. So thank you to Stacey Price, Sana Gabriel and Emma Snips for joining me in this conversation. So welcome to the podcast. I've got a lovely, wow, we, we were just talking about whether we call it a panel or not. I'm not. I don't like the word panel. I have to think of a new name for my little gaggle of women. Hey, a gaggle of women, that'll do. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to having a, a good chat with three surveyors. Some I've met, some I haven't. I've just come across them in, in various guises who all happen to be women. I think it's really important that we have conversations that people can understand and come across what it's like to have conversations with with women surveyors, because guess what? We're really normal. (laughs) So I'd like to introduce you to, or perhaps you can introduce yourselves. Let's start with Emma. Hello. Do you know what's just occurred to me? You should call it Loose Surveyors. Well, do you know, I did think Loose Women and then I thought, well, that's, that's trademarked. And then I thought, well, does that, what does that imply, Emma? (laughs) so anyway sorry hello I'm Emma Snip so my and Rick's life I was um, an asset manager in commercial property so I mostly worked in retail and industrial but did a bit of everything Um, and this year I have gone full-time as a competence and resilience coach so I work with uh, people in property often women to be honest and my intention is to empower them to navigate the corporate culture with confidence much Emma, less. Emma, I love it because you've got your one-liner nails, and I'm going to ask you loads of questions about about being a coach because that's something that's close to my heart. And then we've got Sana. Hello, hello everyone. Hello, I'm Sana Gabriel. I am a asset surveyor. I work for a local authority in Huntingdon, Ford Huntingdonshire District Council, within their um, commercial property team. I've been in that role for about a year or so, but then before that, I was facilities management surveyor. Um, so I actually qualified MRIX in facilities management, and then previous to that. I actually studied building surveying and spent a number of years in building surveying, residential surveying, and then worked um, for a housing association before that. So um, what I have learned is that my varied career and experience 
a lot of their skills are really, really transferable in the current role that I do. So that's that's really, really helped me kind of navigate navigate my career. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say that's quite a broad range. I was going to say, what what is an asset surveyor? I would say my day-to-day role within the commercial team is pretty much looking after the commercial property estates. So you've got your rent reviews, you've got your lease renewals, you've got your right. t- estate management side of things, but then we do have kind of land disposals and things like that. So it's, I don't know if anybody else here has worked in local authority, but you are sort of a jack of all trades. <laughs> and uh, yeah, those, those skills come in, in you know, real, real handy with some of the stock that we have. Yeah, yeah, I bet. Yeah, I bet. Um, and you reminded me, actually, I did estate management at uni 20 years ago, so I should know some of these <laughs> <laughs> some of these things but you know got a bit rusty and then finally we've got Stacy, who is not my hairdresser <laughs> oh yes it was a bit of confusion there wasn't it yeah so Stacy messaged me when I put a call out to say would anybody like to come on my podcast ladies and Stacy came messaged me and I thought oh because my hairdresser's called Stacy. totally freaked me out <laughs> no as much as I would love to be I don't think you would love me to be so no I'm not <laughs> My name is Stacey Price and I'm a commercial manager, a quantity surveyor by trade. I work for a large contractor in the northeast and we are currently working on two of the, the biggest hospitals in Newcastle. I also chair the Working Parents DNI subcommittee within our company. And we are all sorts at the minute off the back of COVID, grabbing hold of all them positives that were forced upon us in 2020 and 21 and really helping to transform the way we combine our children and our career going forward. Oh, I think that's amazing that you've that you've got that. And, and actually quite forward thinking that you had that set up in place ready. And so you'd have had, you know, the, the right people ready to go. I mean, who would have thought, you know, or maybe there's exactly. people out there who would have predicted a COVID yeah. and a disaster. I know there's some films out there <laughs> that, that preempted it. But yeah, no, that's really, that's really interesting. The, you know, that being able to approach that and to tackle that. What what initiatives or what key things have come out of it for you? Oh, all sorts. I mean, we have the Diversity and Inclusion Committee and un- sitting under the committee are a whole bunch of subcommittees and we're one of them and it wasn't in place initially the working parents group we had carers we had disability we had the lgbt group and i just you know off the back of covid and really struggling with two little children at home last year and trying to work full time you know for about six months of them being in isolation i just reached out to the other parents in our company it was always a bit of the unsaid you know people came to work like they didn't have children and we all did. And that became even more apparent when you're now on working virtually, you're working on teams, they're coming in. I was potty training one of mine. So there was a couple of, of naked video shoots um, going going on throughout COVID. There were a couple of um, times when I had to barricade the door to keep them out because I wasn't allowed somebody in the background in certain legal meetings. And I just reached out to the other working parents in our company and we now have seven, uh, sorry, 80 followers on our Yammer group. Um, so our internal social media group. And around about half of those are on our active subcommittee on teams as well. And the types of thing we're involved in is our dynamic 
flexible hybrid working life after COVID. We're involved in what makes a good day. So looking at shortening meetings during the day and having particular rests during the day. Like we have a midday refresh, 12 to 1, where nobody can book a meeting in. Simple things, but to make it work around us and around our kids. Being able to drop them off at school and being able to attend a board meeting or a workshop or whatever else you need to do in the same day. It's just been really, it's changed my life. Oh, I can, I can imagine. And, you know, the thing that comes to mind is this will make a difference for the dads yeah. as, as much as it, it for us as, as parents. And, you know, we as women, you know, there's the old cliche of, you know, the work-life balance and the juggle and all the things that mums can do is multitasking. Mm-hmm. But I think one of the good things that will have, and I've certainly seen it in my husband as well, is the, is the acceptance of it's okay to be a dad in a cor- yeah. culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very much that. And we've encouraged that support from dads. And we have a number of dads in our working parents group as well. And we've encouraged that and said the more that you flex and the more that you work dynamically, the better it be for your partner, the other mams in our company, you know, to be able to flex too. And some of the dads have been almost the most inspirational in the group Mm -hmm. because for the first time, they're the ones that have had to be at home during covid they're the ones who have maybe their wives or partners or teachers or nurses. They were key workers throughout COVID. And they were the ones sat on board meetings and trying to work with children at home last year. So they have been affected by it as well. And it's really helping, you know, for years, us, you know, mothers have struggled in that way. But now it's like we've come together and we're both forging a way forward. And it's been really powerful. Mm, and I think the good thing is, that what we're seeing now is real action and not just lip service. Yeah. You know, and and the whole sort of marketing banner of, yes, we're diverse and all of that malarkey. You know, hopefully now we'll start to see some real shifts and changes. Don't you think that it had to be that everybody was affected in the same way, Marion? Yeah. Men and women, Mm -hmm. for this to come to the forefront, it just had to be. And because we have all been affected, it's really changing. It's a great leveller, isn't it? As we record this in the, uh, the summer of 2021, you know, we're coming out of, allegedly, <laughs> coming out of COVID and this life being back to normal. You know, I'd like to hear from you, actually, because we can't ignore the last year, 18 months. How have you found it? How did it affect your work, Sana? So last year for me was extremely polarised, both kind of externally and, you know, in my own private life as well. So similarly to Stacey, I've got um, a daughter who's nine, but I've also got three stepsons as well, and they're triplets. And um, two of them have autism. So we've had to battle with that and schooling, and it's been very, very difficult. I think one of the main benefits for me was working at the council and being able to have that flexibility and, and my manager is a, is, a, is a woman she's got children and she completely understands but you know there may be other managers that may not be as understanding so we had to deal with that also we decided to move house <laughs> but then just this last year anyway it was you know just externally what, what was going on with Black Lives Matter and just it was very very polarized difficult year for me personally and trying to maintain a full-time job and then with all the all the other changes with the children and schools closing and whatnot it was 
probably one of my toughest years. One thing that I would say helped me was I'm part of mental health first aiders in the local authority. And this, we actually trained just before the pandemic hit. I was kind of in the second cohort and it probably helped me more than the help that I could give others. And it was something that I probably hadn't paid enough attention to before this, you know, how to really, really look after your, your mental health, because that's the only thing that you've got going. And it's, and it's trying to make sure that your well-being is the priority, because if you're not well in yourself, you just can't be there for all the other people that, that depend on you. And then obviously with that on the kind of professional level, working in commercial estates and working for a local authority as well, you know, there was that turning point of especially a lot of our of our smaller tenants trying to make sure that we are not impacted as much by the you know kind of potential fall in in revenue so I would say the work kind of sped up and the priority sped up in terms of output whilst the whole world around everybody was sort of falling down as well so it's very it's, it's a very very mixed year obviously things are getting better it really really helped having that flexibility around my role to be able to do that you know to try to try and get me through and what I would say is is that where I work they did really prioritize making sure that everybody if they needed it had the support either mental health first aiders or changing their, their working patterns so they could you know kind of work around what their new normal was at the time. Do you know what that that resonates in in so many ways and what I'm hearing is the amazing resilience that you've built up over the last year you know there, there's a quote by um Glennon Doyle who wrote a book called Untamed and she says something like you know you can do hard things mm-hmm. and we've just done something really really hard mm-hmm. but it's not until you go back and unpick it and understand and sort of zoom out that you can really appreciate it. I mean, you talk about, you know, the, the things you do to get through, putting on your own oxygen mask first. For me, um, I, you know, I, get, I can't come myself so privileged in so many ways over the last year. But the thing that uh, that got me through actually was this podcast. Mm. You know, um, I couldn't, I couldn't uh, really work. So I've got two children, six and 11. My daughter... I mean, she's now six. She really struggled with her mental health. My son thrived, but my daughter really struggled with her with her mental health, being a little social thing. She couldn't understand it and life was cruel, but she also needed lots of attention. And the thought of homeschooling just filled me with dread. That's why my kids go to school and I have holiday clubs. I'm not that kind of parent who can do all those mumsy things that you see on the adverts. And I recognise that myself and I'm okay with that. I'm good in other ways with my kids, but I, I did find it really hard. And I adjusted my schedule to doing things early morning, doing things in the evening. So my husband could be, do his work. And that was a priority because he's the breadwinner, but also he had to go through, you know, restructuring in his business. And so that was awful, you know, thinking about the roof over our head and, and the people involved. And then one day, I think in, it was towards the end of April, my daughter, who looks like Shirley Temple, during the day had um, mentioned something about her hair. And then a bit later, she asked me for some scissors. And I was just doing that last email before I sort of finished and went to do the tea and just thought, she's a bit quiet. <laughs> I went in and she'd given herself a bloody mullet. <gasps> and she was so happy with herself because she cut off the curly bits she didn't like and she could still have a ponytail at the back. And she was rocking it. 
you know, but you can imagine the wave of mum guilt, you know, of like, I can't be at work because I've got to keep my eye on this child who could get into trouble. And oh, I mean, we look back, it's funny, but do you know what? She did it again in March. <laughs> in the next lockdown, we're just like, so we hit all the scissors and, and, and those things. But those things, you know, they give you a perspective, you know, what's important in life. I mean, she's not a troubled child. She's just a very, very curious child. And give her a box and a pair of scissors and some sticky tape and she's absolutely happy, which is what I should have done (laughs) at the start. (laughs) But the one focus that I had was the Surveyor Hub community, the Facebook group and the podcast. And it just gave me a rhythm and routine to just keep on going. But it's interesting about both Stacey and Zana, you've talked about your corporate or your sort of bigger businesses, but there's a lot of SMEs, a lot of one-man bands or woman bands out there. And what we saw in the Surveyor Hub was that they came to support each other. You know, when you haven't got that network of support, when you haven't got anybody to talk to about what's going on and, and thinking about, you know, should you go out and do your inspections and do your job, particularly if you're, uh, you've got health issues and high risk, you know, there's some really big things that people were talking about. But what I loved is the way that people came to support each other. But Emma, let me let me ask you, because, you know, you sort of talk about resilience and confidence. I mean, this must have, I mean, I know you sort of changed your, your role, but how did you get through the year? But then also you must be thinking, oh, there's some amazing life lessons in here. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was a real, it was a real roller coaster year for me, if I'm honest. So at the beginning of it, you know, I was in my asset management role and I was living on my own in my little flat, my cat, perfectly happy. And uh, it all kicked off and work just got increasingly stressful. And a lot of it was balancing as a landlord, supporting our customers and our tenants and doing what we could to help get them through whilst keeping our business and our stakeholder you know, afloat as well. So there was all of this constant negotiation and understanding of where we stood and how much we should give and how much we couldn't give. And and it was all really, really tough and really, really emotional. And I remember that it got to a point where it was hard work for everybody. We were all working stupid hours. Everybody was having these awkward conversations. Everyone's fighting their own corner and everyone's trying to give and protect at the same time. But I had one tenant who were a husband and wife um, like little company, they just run a photography company in a little industrial park I was looking after, and they just they didn't survive it. They didn't get through it, and I took that so personally. It hit me really hard. You know, both of them had lost their job, their career, and that's their whole family. And it hit, and I really struggled with it. You know, and in between that, there's some personal stuff. So my parents were worried about me being on my own through the kind of the strongest lockdown to being to coming home, which was really kind of them, but also really tough because I'd left home when I was like 15, 16. So being back in my mid-30s on a sofa bed for three or four months was really great of them, but but not easy. And if I'm completely honest, full transparency, I got to the point where I had to have a, a month and a half off sick with mm. anxiety because I was just having these tremendous panic attacks. But similar to Snag, I was in, in that I was like mental health first aider. I was like a well-being driver. We had panel at work where we had kind of mental health advice for managers. And I was in all that. And I, I was doing great on that. And I was really enjoying supporting people, giving to people. But I was finding that I was giving everything to everyone else and not looking after me because I don't have children. You know, I didn't have a husband to protect. You know, I was just a little old me. And my kind of position was everybody else has got so much on their plate. I need to 
pick up more to support them because you know you've got to do the school run and you've got to do the homeschooling and you know and, and I just got I got to burn out to be honest with you and at the same time I was doing all this coaching stuff and I suddenly realized I was talking to more and more people and I was getting more and more clients out of hours and I suddenly realized that this kind of confidence and resilience issue that COVID was intensifying was something I felt so passionately about that there was definitely an opening for me there. And that was definitely something I had to work on. And I think one thing COVID has done, which is a bit of a silver lining, though it hurts, is it's made a lot of people say, hang on, what do I want? What is important to me? Where do I want to be? What is success to me? Is success- It used to be, you know, getting the highest job with the biggest income. Now I think it, you know, realising that now you see your kids during the day, you're missing out so much of their life because you're leaving at 7am and getting home at 8pm and hang on, I don't want to do that anymore. So it's that reassessing the boundaries, reassessing of what's important. And a lot of people are, did you, have you heard this term that's being batted around that? Languishing. You heard that? Languishing. Oh, I wish I could yeah. languish. So <laughs> uninterrupted with no kids. <laughs> <laughs> so it's this term that's being battered about at the moment that's kind of a bit of a mental health term. Mm-hmm. And it, it's a step above poor mental health. So if you said that you had anxiety or depression, it's not that. It's not full on unwell. It's not full on poor mental health. But it, that meh feeling, you know, you've got no energy. You can't quite get gear. You can't really get engaged. You're just not loving things. It's that kind of middle ground. Mm-hmm. I think COVID's left a lot of us there. And that's professionally now where I think I'm stepping in quite a bit, helping people with that space. I th- I, do you know what? There's there's so much there. I I um I like the word melancholy. I learned it when I was at school. Oh yeah, smashing it on a, album as well uh, on a film. <laughs> yeah, you know, just the just that feeling of just sadness and meh and mm-hmm. and in the coaching that I do with with small businesses and and actually a lot of surveyors who work for a corporate they're thinking about working for themselves. <laughs> they're reassessing well what's important to me mm. you know why 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 do I do this job and people who've heard mm. my podcast before you know we talk about why why we become a surveyor and what mm. led us led us to that and so it is it has brought out a real you know um period of reflection I think mm. for lots of us as to why we do what we do what we're prepared to accept you know you mentioned boundaries I think it's also important to mention I mean and you make sort of great points that there are lots of people who are, were on their own, mm. you know, and that, and that isolation, you so know, we've got all the sort of moaning about juggling the kids and the, how dare my husband invade my space. Yeah. <laughs> um, there are lots of people who were on their own, continue to be on their own. And, you know, a lot of, um, you know, when my husband works, they've had quite a lot of graduates who from all over the country living in house shares. Yes. Yeah. We had a little problem with that. And actually yes. some of them just started to come to work because it was actually probably safer and less disease, you know, yeah. uh, less virus than that. And so, yeah, it's really, I think just, there'll be so much that comes out of it. I just, I just hope that there are practical solutions to things, you know, real, I, real change. And we don't just slip back into the the routine and what was accepted and people are brave enough to say, I don't want to do that anymore. Or we don't know, we know. Now we know we do better. Mm -hmm. I think there'll be a a wobbly period when we come out of this where people will be really either really excited to get back to normal and want to run at it full full throttle or they'll have kind of that emergence anxiety where actually they want to stay as they've been and they've quite enjoyed the quiet. And there'll be a wobbly period where we'll go one extreme or the other and then people will settle down and they'll start saying, well, I liked this part and I didn't like that part. I liked this part and I didn't like that part. And I think that we've just experienced it for too much time for us to ignore it. And I think from what I've seen, most corporates 
are taking that very seriously. Mm. And there is that decision about lost time on the commute versus, you know, teams sitting around each other and the ideas that are shared when you're all just actually around each other that's quite difficult to do picking up the phone and figuring out the balance. And that's just going to have to be worked through. But I do genuinely believe that the majority of companies and people are taking this change seriously and are taking the time to reflect on what's really important to them and what they need yeah, I think also what I'd also like to see is not just changes for employees in the way that we work, but also changes in the way that we work with our clients. And you mentioned about, you know, how you're affected about, you know, the, the little business and the husband and wife team, you know, and I, I wonder what will happen. You know, we've all lived in confined spaces you know, for for the last year, is that going to affect how properties are designed in terms of minimum standards, in terms of, you know, the access to open spaces, protecting open spaces? It'd be really interesting to see how our built environment changes going forward and whether we're all motivated to just pause and think, hang on, if COVID Mark II was ever to happen again, you know, what would be the consequences? What would happen? Really interesting time. One of the things uh, I wanted to talk to you all about was visibility and getting visible. And I've had to encourage some of you to come on my podcast. And I don't know if that's because I'm a scary lady or (laughs) whether it's, um, uh, you know, about about how how you feel about about visibility. You know, when it comes to surveyors, you know, there's not that many of us in, although it's a growing number and depending what stats you read it's somewhere between 14 and 16%. It varies in the different uh, the different pathways and, and faculties of, of surveying. But basically, there's more men than women. And I'm, uh, I've made a sort of a commitment that I'm, I'm not going to be on a panel, on a committee that doesn't at least have a darn good stab at making it diverse and finding enough women and people of colour and and all of that so that it, it because you get that diversity diversity of thinking but you know one of the things that I found is my journey to visibility you know I didn't start off thinking I ever wanted to do a podcast that I ever wanted to be on LinkedIn and and have that engagement I just started and I absolutely get imposter syndrome I'm much more in tune with it now I do get trolled I do get people who, you know, whenever I I speak out or if I have an opinion, how dare I have an opinion on something that somebody doesn't agree with? You know, I I do get the nasty side, which shouldn't happen, but I'm much more resilient to it. And uh, But also equally, if I've got it wrong, I'm prepared to to change my mind or to say, you know, now we know we do better. But I wondered how how you all feel about, about being visible. You know, it's important for us to be role models and everything that, that that comes with that. But how do you feel about how did you feel about coming onto this podcast, for example? How do you feel about being more visible as a female surveyor? Let's start with Stacey. Uh, well, as you know, Marion, I have really tried to increase my visibility, and that's been through LinkedIn and through sharing some conversations around COVID nineteen, and through being empowered with our working parents subcommittee as the chair of that to to get up and stand up in front of people. And it's been nothing but a huge positive. Um, I've been sitting, you know, we've, as as part of the 
the committee, we developed an engagement survey to find out what our working parents really wanted and what was working for them, particularly through COVID. And I'm now delivering that to the, the board of directors across the company for all the different functions, to the leadership groups in each of those functions. And I'm absolutely thriving doing it, to be honest. I really love getting up in front of them and presenting what we found and getting them to make a change. We've had directors in the meetings say, you know, we were talking, you mentioned there about there being more men than women and our business has made a commitment that by 2033, we will be, We our target is to get a 50-50 gender balance um, amongst our staff by then, which is only 12 years away. So we've got a long way to go because we're at around about 26% at the moment. And standing up in front of these different functions and telling them what we found is so linked to that sustainability strategy that we've got women who were in those groups saying right and men but one woman in particular comes to mind who said right any other jobs that go out from my function going forward will be offered part-time full-time flexibly work from home all of the options will be there because we'd made it clear to them through the working parents subcommittee engagement survey that our job adverts were all going out as full-time and it was a blocker and nobody was, it, yes, it said, come and talk to us about part-time, but people felt like that would put them on the back foot, that they would be up against their full-time competitors. And I've got women, you know, who were in on leadership roles standing up and saying, no, we're, we're changing this, that no more jobs go out on that basis going forward. And, and, so and why, do you, why do you think that these women and, and you are able to stand up and say no or to stand up and give the presentation or to be why why do you think that is I think I mean a bit like you getting through COVID and lockdown I mean it was an absolute whirlwind for me it completely flipped things and like you say the, the podcast um, got you through the working parents subcommittee got me through and working with other parents and talking to them more openly, no matter where in our business, whatever level they were at, you know, from the leadership roles all the way through. And it, it sounds I, like it sounds like the like a sense of purpose. You know, that's what the podcast gave 100%. me. You know, sense of purpose. I know the difference it was making. It's that was absolutely needed. And therefore, no matter how nervous I felt, just did it. Yeah, you can. You just, it, you know, and and I think when you start to get that support and encouragement, yeah, you know, and you and and you notice, and when you get the when you get the feedback, you know, and it's not just that. Oh, you know, that's a nice podcast, and oh, that's a nice thing you've done, Marion. You know, it's not not that. It's more the thank you that made a difference. One hundred percent. And I had some amazing support from our business, from our health and wellbeing team, who were just transforming the way we go to work mm. and I also had amazing support from everybody who I was delivering the presentations to and they were getting in touch can you come and present it here can you come and deliver this message in this other group and it's just it has been phenomenal mm. and you're totally 100% right about the sense of purpose I got up there and talked I didn't need to rehearse it was exactly what I wanted to be talking about I didn't stumble or you know, think that I didn't know what I was talking about. I knew it 100% and I was 100% behind it and it was making a difference. And I've seen the, the changes that are happening in our business, which are, there was things happening anyway, but by having that support of our committee behind them as well has just been phenomenal. 
Mm, good. What are you, Sana? How do you feel about being visible? Um, well, I actually emailed you yesterday, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> That's why I mentioned it. Uh, I know, I know. <laughs> Um, so the gist of the email was something along the lines of, I'm very nervous about tomorrow, but I'm going to, you know, push myself and get myself out of my comfort zone. And, and you know, I, I think, so I'm relatively newly qualified. So 2019 and obviously the pandemic hit. I think last year and, and being qualified has really given me the push myself out there a bit more because I sort of noticed that you, you can get stuck in a rut and, you know, if you if you want more, you really have to just take that risk. What I'm finding is, is that it does take a support network behind you and you do really have to have an agenda. And sometimes you can, it, it can be quite difficult to have that if you're, if you're a day-to-day surveyor, so to speak. Mm. So I'm finding different groups and different support networks and just trying to to get myself out there and build that that kind of rapport with other people that I've you know have similar traits with, and you know just just using those people to try and help me and build my confidence. So, like you mentioned, Marianne, about imposter syndrome, I I suffer from that a lot, and um, you know just just doing things like this is sort of helping me just build my confidence and try and get me over get me over some of those those issues. So yeah, it's um it's. Been, I mean, this time last year, I would never have probably even replied to your email. So I've got quite far <laughs> <laughs> doing this. And, you know, I, the, the opportunities are definitely there. It's just about about finding them, really. And I think it's really, really important that you do have that visibility because I think for me, being female and obviously having a daughter and, and other people that will be coming up below me, actually going out there, you know, putting things on LinkedIn, which I don't do a lot but I will continue to do in the future you know doing these podcasts actually I think gives people you know that are starting or you know or even younger people something to to look up to and to be inspired towards yeah yeah absolutely Stacey yeah I was just gonna add in this little conversation as well you both mentioned coaching and one of the other things that that has just changed my life as well over the last year is being coached one of my or my best friend became hype coach for mums last year and I always thought that I didn't need to be coached and I didn't I I supported her 100% through it but I didn't think I needed coached I thought I had it sorted and her business is all about making it a mission to get to get mums out of survival mode and get them thriving. And when you mentioned, Marion, that sense of purpose, that is 100% what Leanne wants women to find. Mm. They want the, she wants them to make the time for themselves so that they can find that sense of purpose. And we've been climbing mountains. We've uh, My husband and I are about to buy our forever home. I've, support, I've managed to secure a promotion at work. It's just been life changing and that's all through COVID and managing with the kids, being isolating and everything else that has been a challenge throughout this year. But coaching has has changed my life as well and I couldn't recommend it more. Yeah, and, and that's interesting because when I started to get coaching, it helped. But prior to that, I had some sessions with a an occupa- occupational therapist, psychologist. I can't remember what she called herself now. She was a very, very clever lady. And she helped me through a really tough time when I came back from my second maternity return, which was an 
an absolute car crash of a, of a of a time. And she just helped me get better perspective. And until then, I'd never talked about how I feel, how I feel about my my job and my and my career and, and where I was at. But nobody had ever invested in me in any kind of personal development. I hadn't invested in myself. And um, after that, I saw a, a therapist for a, a couple of years, which, you know, w- w- which really helped. And, but what I didn't know is that actually Lionheart offers these kind of service. So all the way through sort of COVID and things, and have any of you contacted Lionheart for coaching or support? No. no. I've contacted them to become an ambassador, I think. Yeah, I'm, so I'm, I'm an ambassador with them. Uh, I'm really proud to, to do that. You know, but as, as surveyors... We have access to all of their resources. Uh, you know, if you're an RICS paying member or have paid in the past, whether you've retired or you've stopped working and, and things, you still have access to those those resources. And yet most of us don't know. But it's interesting, you know, coaching doesn't have to be sort of paid services like Emma and I uh, just uh, offer in, in some guise or other. There are lots of things that you can do for yourself that just gets you started and that's why your power of your network joining a little facebook group you know when i when i first started uh, when i came back after said terrible maternity leave return there were a couple of other ladies who were pregnant in the building pregnant or just having children and we just used to meet for a coffee every now and again mm. we just sort of no, we, we just started it when we were pregnant actually we just noticed these other bumps so we should meet for coffee and we can talk about babies, <laughs> you know, and it was just a nice, nice thing to do. And, but being able to reach out on a personal level and not have an agenda of it's a business, something or other made, made quite, you know, made quite a difference. And all of those things sort of really help with your, with your confidence Yeah. when you start to find people who are going through similar things or you, you're able to discuss things and you, you get a sense of that that purpose mm. you know and 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 then sort of taking it a step further in terms of being visible you know invisibility means lots of things to lots of different people but that putting yourself out there in some way that's just experience you know and uh, there's a great ted talk and a book by a lady called farrah store i think she's the um, editor of cosmopolitan called uh, the Dis- the discomfort zone you know and I, and i and i liken it to um, you know, when I do mine, um, I used to run some sessions for Lionheart <laughs> in London when we used to have them, uh, some of their workshops. And I used to have a balloon. And when you first go to blow a balloon up, what do you do? Take a deep breath. You take a deep breath. And then you go. <sighs> and what happens to that balloon? It blows up. Yeah, it doesn't usually. <laughs> it doesn't. <laughs> and you're there looking like really red face, like a little like <laughs> berry. You know, and then then you get you you try and blow again and, and and you get that little gush of woof when it just starts to the balloon opens up and that feeling of oh, yes, mm. yes I've done it. You know, and then you then you forget and the air comes out and then you blow it again and, and it's all about stretching the balloon, isn't it? And and that's what it's like with anything new that you have to learn and anything that you you do and then you've got to remember to tie the knot at the end and so it doesn't doesn't go away but thinking about that sort of balloon analogy and and getting comfortable it's just practice when I think back and and I don't always listen back to these podcasts because I cringe when I hear the sound of my voice but when I um uh, sort of listen back to my like my first podcasts Oh, I just want to cringe. You know, I don't know what I was doing. You know, and listen, I was I was interviewed for um 
I think it was from a States Gazette, you know, a couple of years ago now, you know, as a, as a guest to talk about my experience. And I totally fluffed it. You know, I was interrupting. I was nervous. Lots of ums and ahs. You just don't have to listen to it again. <laughs> That's the secret. Yeah. You know, you don't have to go back and revisit it you know, but just sort of celebrate the fact that you've gone and done it. But I think that sense of purpose and having that reason why and knowing the reason why you're doing things is is so important. What about you, Emma? It's a funny one for me. I was just thinking about what you said about coffee, actually, because I was just reflecting on when I was a mental health first aider, that almost entirely consisted of going coffees for people. So people don't come up to you when you're a mental health first aider and say, hi, I'm having a mild mental health crisis. Can you please help me? They come up to you and they go, you're right. Oh, having a bit of a rubbish day, and you're like, "Oh, should I grab a coffee?" And that's pretty much. And then you often you talk about absolutely nothing, but that's pretty much the gist of being a mental health first aider. So just grabbing coffee with your peers is is huge. But yeah, yeah. visibility. I think because of coaching and attracting clients and using social media, you do have to have an element of visibility, which is really tough and takes getting your head around. Um, I kind of describe myself as an extroverted introvert. So I've always been the gobby one. I've always been the person in the middle of the circle. I've always been the person that pushes for everyone to do everything. But it's a cover-up from the fact that I'm ridiculously shy. So it's one of those kind of, if I attack it first, you can't attack me. And that's how I've always worked. So I've always had this strange thing where people think that I'm uber confident and I'm happy to be visible when actually inside I'm like, ah. So I've always been like that. But I think I learned quite young that you inspire and lead people without meaning to. So I um, I ended up on the reception desk in the city in a property company. I had no intention of being a surveyor. I didn't even know the career existed. It was not, this is probably one of the reasons why I think women don't get involved. I didn't even know it was an option. I was going to be a teacher. I did. I lasted two weeks in a school in Plumstead in South, South East London and the kids like tore me to pieces. And it was great, but I had no authority. So it was never going to work. So I ended up on the reception desk as a temp and next thing you know, they put me through the masters and the APC and all this sort of thing. And I found that other women who had come through admin, who were interested in becoming a surveyor, were asking me questions. And they were saying, well, how did you do this? And, you know, who did you talk to? And, you know, how did you approach this? And I got there mostly by just being open and friendly and talking to everyone. And if an opportunity came up, I'd be absolutely bricking it, but I'd do it. Same as Sana with this absolute hats off to you we all have imposter syndrome not all of us just do it anyway so well done it's amazing and what you find as you go forward is actually you are visible and you are leading people without really meaning to so I try and take that mentality into my LinkedIn and Facebook kind of coaching hat as well you know there's the spill where you have to kind of appeal to certain people and you've got to write certain things but a lot of it is just if you just keep being yourself and talk about what you've been through and offer to chat to people it builds itself that's visibility enough I it, think yeah it's absolutely about being authentic because when you're trying to be something else it just just won't work it's like a snowball effect almost yeah. as well don't you think that you start doing one thing and then it just keeps leading on and more and more people want to hear from you and they want to be your mate and they get in touch. And, you know, from being a surveyor who probably I kept myself to myself a little bit more for a lot of years because I had the kids at home and I was just trying to survive coming to work and having juggle the kids and everything else to then doing a working parents group to running, uh, setting up a, a work winning group for our local area to becoming a mental health champion myself. that We now have a something called the Energy Project within our company, which is a coach sort of based 
way of working, which is amazing, which I've become a trainer for off the back of that. And just getting yourself out there, talking to people who are at the leadership sort of levels and not being afraid to, and just being yourself. The response has just been absolutely amazing. A huge, like massive positive snowball effect. I've absolutely loved it. My experience, people feel like for you to succeed in corporate, you've got to fit into a particular corporate box and act Mm -hmm. a particular way. It's not true at all. The only thing about you, you've got no one else's goal, is that you are you. Mm -hmm. So you be you. And people are always attracted to authenticity. Ladies, it's been really great to talk to you today. Just to wrap up, can we share a win? Because I like to finish on a positive Tell us about a, a win, something good that's happened or you're something that you're proud of. Let's start with Emma. So I did have some really clever coaching ones, but I'm not going to say that. At the weekend, we held a picnic in the park for my partner's 40th birthday and he's really into retro stuff. So I got two 1970s space hoppers and blew them up and uh, had a gold one and only fell off a little bit. So I thought that was a massive win. <laughs> I look like an idiot and it was great fun. Really proud of myself. Excellent. What about you, Sana? So we had some flooring fitted last week and just getting through the week with having to live upstairs pretty much for two days was a win for me because we (laughs) still work, basically eat upstairs a couple of days and, you know, none of us practically die was probably... a big win for me. It was um, a large glass of wine after after getting that done. <laughs> well done. And what about you, Stacey? Um, the, to be honest, we've had, we haven't all had a lot on the last couple of weeks. It's been pretty intense, but the biggest win I can think of recently is uh, my youngest. He's three now, and but he still loved his daughters. He did. He still absolutely loved them. And trying to get them off them when I have a little boy where the red mist comes down and there is no shaking off that red mist is really difficult at the point where, you know, late at night I have actually ran round to me mum's house in me slippers to get a spare dummy from her house because we couldn't find one. So it was quite a big deal with him. So I decided just to go cold turkey and cut the end off the dummies. And he's just tucked to it like a duck to water. It's been unreal. So all that freaking out and worrying about how he was going to be, he was like, he looked at it and went, oh, well, that's not right. Just put it down and and off to sleep. And we've been sleeping soundly since. So huge win. (laughs) Massive win. Oh, ladies, it's been lovely to speak to you. Thank you ever so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening. I'd love to hear your feedback. So please do rate, review and follow using the Love Surveying, Surveyor Hub and Women in Surveying hashtags and help spread the word about the work we do as surveyors and the difference we make in the world. If you haven't already, you can sign up to hear the latest Survey Hub news by joining the mailing list at lovesurveying.com. Next time, I'll be speaking to Jen Lehman from Property Elite about how she got started running a training business and also about her new book. See you next time.